This is Driven By, a podcast where we explore the intersection between passion and purpose. Sitting down and having conversations with risk takers, change makers, builders, and entrepreneurs to find out what it is that drives them. Hi, my name is Dontrell Britton. Um, most people know me as Trail to Trainer. Uh, I guess I'm a fitness entrepreneur. Started a fitness company, um, and we hire ex-offenders as fitness instructors. And uh, transitioned into a vegan food company um, with the same mission, where we try to hire ex-offenders and uh, at-risk youth as employees. Um, that's pretty much who I am. Yeah. I love to give back um, and uh, just show people that come from where I come from that there's a way. Yeah, I love that. So I'm like very excited about this conversation, mostly because I kind of stumbled onto you. I don't think it was something that, uh, you know, I was seeking out for any which way or another, but we have a few mutual friends, I think. And um, once I kind of dug in a little bit deeper, I kind of realized that you're doing some really incredible work in the space of providing people with a second chance, yeah. um, which is a really big deal. Um, but I think that probably comes from being in a space where you've felt that before. Absolutely. So would you be willing to kind of share a little bit more about how you kind of stepped into the space of being able to provide others with a second chance? Um, I, uh, long story short, got in trouble when I was 18 or 19. Um, I was convicted of a drug conspiracy, which was about a 33-person indictment. Um, however, only me and two others actually served time. Mm-hmm. I was sentenced to five years, ended up doing four and some change. Um, while I was away uh, to not stress, I just started exercising to just keep my mind occupied, my body. Yeah. Um, and then before I knew it, there were guys coming up to me like, damn, yo, you're in shape. <laughs> but from the inside looking out, you, I, I don't know if we ever see how we physically look. Obviously, we look in mirrors, but... Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, I would have 10 to 15 guys every day come in to work out with me. Then there's this older guy who I always uh, mention. His name is uh, Lewis. He came up to me and was like, yo, you have a gift, you have a passion... You could like be a trainer um, when you return into society, and at this time, I probably had like two years left on my sentence. Sure. And I listened to him, but it, it never registered to me because where I come from, where I grew up, I don't know. I've never seen a trainer like right. that wasn't a thing for me. That wasn't something to look forward to. So I just kind of brushed it off. Um, however, when I got out into society. I found a job as a bartender. Mm, interesting. So it's not even like jumping right into the advice that you were given. Is that because you didn't necessarily attach to the idea of, or you didn't think like, as he's telling you this, you're like, you have a gift. Like you have, a, like, this is something that's clearly passionate, like for right. you, but you just did You weren't sold on it. No, I, I feel like, um, sometimes we get like closed minded and, and we only could see 
as far as our environment allows us sometimes. Um, and I feel like that's just where I was. I yeah. would read a lot, but when he said trainer, I'm like, I, I've never seen a trainer. Like, growing up, I, I never seen a trainer that was, like, successful or sure. something that was cool. So when he said it, I was like, I guess. like, Yeah, I mean, you're essentially referring to, like, the different archetypes that, like, we're seeing in culture, right? You see people that are musicians. They're right. obviously really, like, successful right. actors. They're right. successful. It's like, you see, I see this, so I, that's, that's, right. Right, you're not seeing oh, the people behind the curtain of, like, the people training the athletes, right? right. Like, I guess I knew, I forget the dude that used to do Taboo, I forget his name. My mom used to watch him, bald head. Like, yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> but, but, so that's the only like trainer. Yeah, you're like, that's I was not like, me. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Got it. Um, so you get out and you're now a bartender. Yeah. And what I, happens uh, next? I realized that bartending just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, I felt like I was being used. Um, I wasn't being paid what I was offering. Okay. And I've been this way since a child where I'm just like, all right, does this make sense? If I do this, will I get this? Or mm-hmm. like, And so for me, it just didn't make sense. And uh, I told my mom, who I was living with at the time, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to just work for two months, save my entire checks, not spend a dime, invest into some fitness equipment, yeah. become a trainer, and I'm out. And like I said, even with my mom, she was like trainer. Like, yeah, what, what's that? Like, how does that look? And by this time, I had started studying a little bit about the body and like what it takes to be a trainer. And so that's what I did. I just up. I quit. I saved my money. Um, been home, like I said, maybe two or three months. Yeah. And my mom was just like, look. I need money for rent. And so I gave her half of the money I saved. And I was just like, you know, however long this allows me to stay here, I'll take it. And then I'll figure it out from there. And then my time expired. And at that moment, I guess I was a little upset. And my mom, I felt betrayed because I felt like she was just throwing me back um, into society. Um, But I was 24 years old. Right. I think it's like an interesting thing to pause on just because, uh, you know, so many people step back out into society after being incarcerated and really don't feel like they have a lot of options Mm -hmm. because that's what the system does for you. It's essentially putting you down like all the way. And I know that you can speak more like eloquently about this whole thing than I can because I've done one night in jail, (laughs) literally one. (laughs) I got to wear a jumpsuit though. So... I feel like I have a little bit of street cred. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but so many people leave and they, they kind of don't really know what to do next. I mean, there's a number of different programs that exist out there just to make sure people have the right like clothing so that they can come back right. out into society and feel feel comfortable. What you're talking about is like essentially stepping back out and saying, okay, well, I'm going to bartend because this is what feels like it's most accessible to me at this point. Right. And then you're saying, okay, no, I'm actually going to focus in on this and I'm going to maybe step back into that idea that I could be a trainer. Right. And you're even coming up with some level of like coming up against some level of adversity there because you've also now had to give away half of what you saved and Right. Kind of put yourself in a position where, okay, now I'm going to take that risk. Absolutely. I feel like anybody that um, may be familiar with you, because you're not, you know, when I when I 
started looking into your story, like you've basically taken what you experienced um, from being incarcerated to um, stepping out and like creating your own brand. And like you've done so very, very well. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. What is it that you think um, was kind of a turning point for you from going to saying, okay, I'm just going to buy some fitness equipment to I'm now somebody that has like a very strong following, somebody that has been locally on, on, on TV, um, Mm -hmm. has, you know, is a name that people actually know like in and around the area and not just because you're from here. Right. So what do you think was the turning point? Um, say the question again. What do you think the turning point for you was from going and saying, I'm just going to buy a little bit of equipment to kind of how your training brand sort of took off? Um, I, I don't know if there was a turning point. I think it was just constant growing from mm-hmm. what I knew I was up against um, and just putting the footwork in and having discipline to say, you know what, I can't afford to go out and hang out with my friends. I need to build my business. I need to stand on who I am. Um, and so the, I, I don't know if there was like a turning point. I guess there was a point where I looked back and was like, okay, people are starting to recognize me. And I think that would be once I hit the news um, with my fitness company. And then obviously I started training Pusha T. And I think that was when people was like, all right, we need to pay attention to this guy because he's doing something. He's doing something right. I guess, is there something unique about what it is that you were doing from a training perspective? There's a lot of trainers out there um, right in the fitness space, especially... I feel like in my orbit, just because I happen to do fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that is unique about you from the next trainer? Um, I think, um, honestly, and I tell people this all the time, even up and coming trainers that ask me like, oh, how do I get where you are? Um, it's like I, I always documented my process and told my story. And I feel like a lot of people try to just come out and be like, OK, these exercises work. And this is how you there's a million trainers doing that mm-hmm. on a higher level, more attractive, more in shape. And so I always tell people, like, document your process. That way you build a following that follows you for who you are and your story because they want you to win. And I feel like where I come from, my people genuinely root for me because they feel like I am the exit ticket or I am the hope for that community or that, you get what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of people that know me when I was literally carrying guns and selling drugs in the street with my pants down. Right. And so... I think those people supported me and it ultimately led other people to support me and see who I really was beyond the crime I committed or what I was when I was 17 years old. You've brought up your um, childhood a few times. I'm curious, when you were younger, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I think... <laughs> It's so cliche, but I think firefighter was like my thing. Yeah. Um, and I guess because it was like safe. And when I say safe, I mean safe as far as financial security, which I thought. And uh, I don't know. I always thought I was like tough and like risky. So I was like, firefighter's perfect for me. <laughs> like, Got it. Got it. I think that's cute. Yeah. Um, 
So you mentioned that you have made like a transition, um, from being, you know, a little bit more centralized and focused on training to moving towards having a vegan food business, um, of your own. Can you kind of talk through what inspired kind of the, the shift, or would you say that the two are connected in some capacity in terms of the things that you're passionate about or the things that you're focused on? Um, I think I became vegan four years ago. Okay. Um, my mom was diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis. I remember like asking a doctor, like what causes MS? And from my recollection, I could be off. Um, but the lady was just like, it could be stress or it could be diet. Or both. Or, yeah. And I was like, damn. I think I can control both my stress and my diet. And I was just like, you know, maybe I'll try this vegan thing. And I had been studying it my whole time like while I was in prison. But obviously it's hard to maintain that diet in prison when you're only consuming they're not giving you. 1,800 calories a day, like max. Right. Um, so I guess that was for me like, all right, this is the sign that you need to get your shit together. Also, I'm pretty sure I got a bologna sandwich when I was in prison oh, yeah, for, for that sure. one night um, and sure. whole milk or something. And I was like, well, I'm and not a, eating any of this. And those, two so. little cookies. They gave you the bologna sandwich wrapped in a bag and two little cookies. I gave mine away. Yeah. I was in no state. I, I, was, yeah. I was also pissed that I was in there because yeah, I was facts. very intoxicated. Facts, facts. It's all stories for another day. So you are looking at it from more of a holistic health perspective and just generally saying like, I know I can control stress and I'm guessing you're controlling stress by your working out, like your routine, your daily deposits is what I call it. You and a lot of people on the internet Yeah, and, um, and you're monitoring your diet essentially. So it's not that the, it was a massive like right turn. It was really more kind of an evolution of sort of the thing that you were already passionate about, which is essentially kind of having some level of control and awareness of your own self and your own body. Um, I think one of the things that makes you very interesting to people, and I'm maybe projecting a little bit, but tell me what you think, um, is that you kind of approach things, the training aspect, um, your business, you approach things from a humanistic perspective or um, a lived experience perspective. Uh, you are talking very like forwardly about being incarcerated and then saying, you know, i I spent this time there. I focused on my like craft and I stepped out and I was able to like run a business right? Um, in terms of your training. Same is true with going ahead and taking a risk and starting the food business. I think the authenticity is what people attach to. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I, I, I thrive on it. And I stress it like be yourself. Uh, I would, as a saying, it's not verbatim, but it says something like, I would, I would, um, basically, I would be myself before I go and be somebody else. Like I would, I would rather. Uh, I can't think of the quote, but basically, embracing who you are mm-hmm. um, and not being afraid to, I guess, show and be in that moment. Right. So. I'm not, like, I I was never afraid to let people know, like, this is me. Like, yeah, I went to prison, but it it, it doesn't define me. Right. And I think a lot of people took to that. Would you say that 
part of that experience is part of why you have so much drive and focus on what it is that you're looking to accomplish today. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I also would be remiss if I didn't point out the fact that you've, like, created quite a big social media presence, like, mm-hmm. um, through TikTok mm-hmm. and through Instagram and so forth. And I think part of that, interestingly enough, is, like, almost a different persona than you as an entrepreneur starting a vegan food business, mm-hmm. um, you as a trainer, like they're kind of differentiated all three in some way. Um, but I think there's a resounding common theme, which is essentially take me as I am. And I'm someone that can be like easily, I don't know what the right word is, but you can absorb me in a very normal capacity. Mm-hmm. How has that part of your life kind of merged in with the other two what part? I think like you being kind of known socially, like as an, I, I don't want to say influencer, but I'm mm-hmm. going to say it because I know that that has sometimes a negative connotation, but <laughs> I mean, no, do fine. you, do you identify in that way? Uh, as an influencer? Yeah. Um, I think there's a difference from like being an influencer and then like truly influencing people. Um, cause anybody could be considered an influencer based on your look or how many followers you have, but well, people really follow you and listen to you. Like when I step out and people, they know like, oh, you, I, I love your, like, I love what you're doing. Like, I love your story. That's yeah. what motivates me the most. And it's just like, oh, I saw my, my son is 14 years old and I always show him your videos. That's the difference from saying, oh, like you're the sexy guy or sexy girl on Instagram. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's different. And I think. Did you get both of those? Um, Sure. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've seen it in real life. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But I, I think I thrive more on the right. help my son or my kid came home from prison and we watch all of your videos and it's helped us so much. That's what actually drives me more than the old, like hard eyes. Like hard eyes don't mean shit to me. Like, so... So uh, maybe to like to talk on that more. So the thing that drives you is more like impact you can have. Absolutely, absolutely. What does the word impact mean to you? Um, impact is your 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 mark here on earth as a person. It's your tombstone. It's your legacy that you leave here long after you're gone. Um, I always say that I would rather people judge me by my impact Mm -hmm. as opposed to the amount of money I made or make. Um, I'm a people's person. Mm -hmm. Money comes and goes. Um, But what what people learn from you, what people, how you move people, how people interact with you, what people took from you Mm -hmm. is more powerful to me than anything in this world. Yeah. Is there a moment in your your past where you can kind of think back and say, like, this was the moment that essentially was like that aha, like, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take these risks or I'm going to do these things to, like, create these businesses? Was there, like, instance where you were like, actually, I'm not held back by my past and my choices? I think, I think the moment... I, I, I got out here into society and I realized th- there's there's this this thing I, I, and I'm not sure if it's just me I'm sure other guys that been to prison can relate there is no other feeling and it's a horrible feeling 
than having to face a judge that has complete control over your life. So this judge can say, I'm giving you five years. This judge can say, I'm giving you 20 years. Yeah. And that's a, like, there's nothing you can do. You can get angry and fight, but that's only going to make matters worse. And so for me, I thrive on like, as long as I am out here in society and not facing that judge, there's no way I can lose. Mm-hmm. So even if I start this business and it doesn't do well, guess what? I'm still out here in society. I'm not facing this goddamn judge who has, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I've been broke in prison before. I'm sure I could be broke out in society and find a way. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I thrive on that. Yeah. That's just like, look, let's go. Like, the worst, what's the worst? Yeah. I'm free. Like, I, I, I feel like prison is like hell. So I'm like, I'd, I've been there. Like, where else, how, how else far can I go down? Like, there's nothing. Sure. There's such an immense amount of, I think, gratitude and appreciation that exists within your persona and like how you are taking on life because of what you have experienced. I guess I'm curious to understand as you're thinking about you and kind of how you continue to grow um, and evolve as this person, mm-hmm. do you find yourself or think of yourself as leaning in really hard into the entrepreneurial like food business, or do you see yourself leaning more into the um, inspiring like impact brand? Like, where do yeah. you see yourself kind of so, driving, or do they converge? So, I think even training and even the food business, they are all in efforts or going or merging into the impact or influence um, lane for me mm-hmm. because they're, they're stepping stones. So I'll tell people that all the time. Like, I, I, I never wanted to be the number one trainer in America or the highest paid trainer. That's not my... However, I knew that I could use fitness to, you know, touch people. Mm-hmm. And when I say touch, I mean, like, mentally, um, emotionally, like, mm-hmm. touch people and be like, damn, like, I can change my life. This guy changed my life in this way. And the same thing with food. If it's like, all right, my vegan food company is not the healthiest vegan. It's really good, though. Yeah, it's not the healthiest vegan shit in the world. Do you want to say what it is, since we're just kind of tapping and talking oh, around it's, it? Um, it's called Glizzy's DC. Um, and if you're not from DC... You know that, or DC specializes in half smokes. Yeah. And so that's what we have um, plant based half smokes, and we kind of dress them up, um, different toppings, but it's fire. <laughs> They're delicious. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, I look at it as like, you know, I'm bringing people vegan comfort food. So everybody love a nice half smoke hot dog. So I'm just making it a little healthier. <laughs> it's not the healthiest. This is a little healthier. Yeah, it's definitely not the healthiest. Yeah. It's definitely stacked with like a bunch of stuff when I had yeah. it. And I had it with a beer, so definitely not yeah. make it any better. Um, do you want to talk about some of the things that you do that relate to impact? Um, I know that you have had conversations with youth. You've talked a little bit about like prison reform. Mm-hmm. Can you share just a little bit about how those opportunities arrive for you and and what they invoke within you? Yeah, for sure. So um, I think what led to that ultimately um, is, like I said, when I started the fitness company, I had been doing it maybe a year. And then one of the guys that used to actually be in the same cell block with me came home from prison. He was just like, damn, I've been hearing so much about what you've been doing. Like, 
I need help. Like, I just got out. I've been out here three months. I need help. And it clicked for me. It's like, damn, how can I help him and everybody else that comes from that? And I think that's kind of maybe the aha moment Mm -hmm. for me where I was just like, damn, these people need help. Because I know what it took for me to, it wasn't easy. A lot of people look and see where I am now, but I've been training five years, like every every day. So it wasn't... um, so, and then what was the initial question? I think that was the question. Yeah. Like, what can you want to talk about? Maybe some of the things that you do do as it relates to yeah, I think, having an impact in the community. I think that was the, uh, the starting point. And then, um, like I said, on my social platforms, I always uh, talk about how prison actually helped me. And some people talk shit about me and say, oh, you're glorifying prison. And it's like, if you actually listen to my message, you'll understand. I'm saying, hey, even though I was in prison, I started working out. I started doing this type of stuff. And some of the habits I still use today. Like, yeah. I still fold my socks the same way. I still have the same discipline. I wake up 8 a.m. I take a 4 p.m. nap. All of those same things help me um, Discipline. There's no pr- discipline like a guy in prison. Like you're legit doing the same exact thing day after day. It's on Mondays we eat the same food. Fridays we eat the same food, and it's kind of the same thing out here. Like I, I'm fine. Like vegan or plant based lifestyle isn't hard for me because I'm so used to it. Sure. But I start telling that and sharing that, and then I just get emails from like um, youth employment. Um, detention centers where it's like hey like we love your story would you mind coming in uh speaking to the youth i'm sure they can relate to you yeah it's about relatability right yeah and then i'm also not like one of these guys that try to sit online and like be somebody i'm not i just i talk how i talk i remember one time somebody hit me and was like oh i don't think you should curse on on your post because if you wanted to get a sponsorship from like nike and i was like listen if Nike want me, Nike will have to take me as I am. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's what, like, that's just who I am. And I'm fine with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you um, lightly touched on some of the challenges that you've experienced. Can you maybe um, share a little bit more uh, just in terms of on this journey that you're on, uh, this entrepreneurial <clears throat> journey you're on? What kind of challenges you have come your way and, and how you've sort of overcome those challenges? Um, I guess off the top of my head, I could remember uh, it took me like a year to even find an apartment. Um, obviously, nobody wants a felon to live in their apartment building, especially a drug dealing felon, because it's like, uh, no. <laughs> so it took me legit a year to find even a place to live. And my first apartment was I rented from a family in their basement. And uh, I just told him, I was like, hey, I've been looking for somewhere to live for a year. Like, I got the money. I could pay you three months up front. Like, I just need somewhere to live. Like, this is what I'm doing. I showed them pay stubs where I work. And they took a chance with me. And then in 2018, October, I think, uh, they passed a law that said that they could no longer ask you um, if you're a felon or not on your uh, application. And Mm -hmm. so that was a huge help for me. I think other challenges I face is obvious um, stereotypes of what a felon is when they always say, oh, well, you sold drugs, you're going to do it again. Like, it's only a matter of time. And it's like, bro, It's really tough, right? Because like, (laughs) 
it's it's a it's a problem because there's reasons why people sell drugs. Like they're yeah. not just doing it because it's really fun to sell drugs. Right. It's like society has put me in a place where I'm at a disadvantage for whatever the reason may be. Maybe it's having loss of life or maybe it's having um, just like coming up in a, you know, a situation that's not your choosing. Mm -hmm. Right. And like the reality is, is you're just trying to do the best you can to be able to provide for your family or be able to provide for yourself or whatever the case may be. And I mean, I I can go on and on about this just because I have a a feel away about the opioid epidemic and all this other stuff, but that's for another conversation probably. But I think like what you're, what you're outlining about the challenges that exist with regard to people just coming back into society is like really, really important, right? It's the same thing that's true for unhoused people. It's like they don't have the ability to get IDs. Like you're limiting people from their opportunity of being able to have a normal life and be able to be a contributing member of society after the fact. So, um, one of the other things that I like to ask people is, um, if you had like one piece of advice to give somebody brother so much so much advice (laughs) um if i could give one piece of advice i would say um and it's so cliche but there's something that goes in it when you actually like take the time to start doing it but Whatever it is in life, genuinely, that you want to do, do it. And here's why I say that. It's because I think so many people are afraid to go and try stuff. So now when you're 27, it's like you still don't know what you want to do because you were afraid to try so much. So I'll tell an 18-year-old, like, whatever you think you want to do, just go do it. And that way you'll learn if you like it or not. So by the time you're 24, you're like, shoot, I tried to work at a bar. I tried the restaurant thing or I tried to start a business. And that way you can gauge what you actually like versus what you don't like. And you've gained so much um, insight and experience in life. And I guess you become a step closer to figuring out what it is that you do enjoy. And whatever it is that you do enjoy, I say double down on it. So just just. Oh. Yeah, we're like an incredibly like risk adverse population of people. Yeah. Like we just don't like to take the take the chances. Yeah, I think everybody everybody I mean, I think we've come far, but I think um most people are just content with that secure job. And it's fine because entrepreneurship, like honestly speaking, it's just not for everybody. Like it sounds cool, but it's a it's a grind. Like everybody wants the title. And it's like, oh, because you sell, like, and no shade to nobody, but it's like, oh, I sell candles. I'm an entrepreneur. And it's like, like, let's be real. <laughs> like, it takes a lot. Like, I better not have a candle maker on the show. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not being, <laughs> but it's like that, 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 in my opinion, that don't make you an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is like when you start actually making, like, real money from, from these businesses and you don't have to be there. So if you got to wake up and still go to, you technically have a job, like yeah. even with training. Yeah, I work for myself, but if I don't get up and go train people, I don't make money. Right. You know what I'm saying? However, maybe I step into it when I start taking my money from food truck or from training and I start buying properties and assets so that now I'm just like, all right, I can still train. But if I don't get up and train, 
my register is still ringing. Mm-hmm. And that's when you turn over into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot. It's not it's not all peaches and cream. It's not the glitz and glamours of Instagram. And like, <laughs> so whatever it is that you want to do in life, you do it and figure it out what you like and don't like and double down on what you like or your passion. So do you think at this point um, with what you are currently doing in your life, so uh, training a little bit, not as much anymore, mm-hmm. primarily working on the food business mm-hmm. and then having these opportunities to have conversations about prison reform, having conversations about you know life after um, trying to connect with youth. Do you feel like you are at a good place right now where you feel confident in your purpose in life? Yeah, for sure. I feel pretty confident. Um, that's why I double down on it. So all of my platforms, all of my podcasts, all of that, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for prison reform because that system is is wicked. And uh, it's easy to get into. and it's, it's 10 times harder to get out of. And so if I could use my voice or my story to inspire or to motivate somebody to do better or not have to go to prison and keep the recidivism rates super high, Yeah, I'm going to do it. And so I think that's where a lot of times people uh, either disconnect or misconstrue my message where it's like, I'm not glorifying prison. I'm I'm just telling you what I had to go through. So maybe you could be like, oh, wow. I didn't know that that's how prison was. Like, Yeah. I mean, I don't think the masses actually know much, right? So I guess from an educational standpoint, what are like the top three things people should know? About what? Prison. Um, and the reason why to perform is important. It's not what you see on TV. It's not the orange is black. Like that is not it. Like, My suit was red. It wasn't even orange. Yeah. That's like, that's not it. Um, but three things you should know about prison. Um, prison is more mentally um, draining than it is physically. So I think a lot of people assume that, oh, when you go in, you got to fight for your life and protect your butt or whatever they might think. Like it's Not your like, butt. I mean, you know, people always say, oh, like I get, I, I get the random person is like, oh, did somebody try I to understand. like rape you? I'm like, you watching too much TV. Like it's more mentally draining than it is like physically and because you I think you're isolated from a whole world yeah you get what I'm saying um so I would say that's one of them two is that prison um contrary to popular belief is similar to society in a sense where if you want to go in there and continue selling drugs you could if you wanted to be on Instagram and you could do that in prison. If you want to smoke weed, you could do that. If you want to get tattoos, yeah. whatever, you could do that in prison. How many tattoos did you get in prison? Uh, I got my two uh, sleeves, uh, half sleeves, um, which wasn't the smartest idea. I'm going to have to take a look at those Yeah, after. I, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but, and I, I say that to say um, that to want to change is a conscious effort because yeah. you get what I'm saying if you're a huge drug dealer on the street you could probably be a huge drug dealer right. in jail right. so you kind of have to want to change um, and then thirdly I would say that and I think most people know this but that fool is the worst 
ever. They gave me rice and beans for four years straight. Like every meal, I get rice and beans. <laughs> they would literally give you pancakes. <laughs> And rice and beans. And rice and beans. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Amazing. So, <laughs> so don't gross. go to prison. Do not go. <laughs> well, also, I think, like, we could be doing a better job at treating people even, you know, if, if prison is meant to be a rehabilitation back into society, like a way to, like, have people be punished, quote-unquote punished, for crimes created, and then to be able to give them the opportunity to come back into society, like, obviously it needs to be kind of adjusted and changed. But. Yeah, it's definitely, and this small stuff, and I don't even know all of them, but it's just like small laws that are targeted towards minorities. So it's like if me and you create the same crime, however, you're a 16-year-old white male and I'm a 16-year-old black male, sorry. That's all right. Um, Sometimes our our sentences are a lot different. Yeah. Um, Then I made a video on that. You can check it out when you get a chance, but same crime, different time. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, whereas for instance, I think it's changed now, but... 18 to 1, like crack to cocaine law. So yeah. technically, one gram of cocaine is equivalent to 18 grams of crack. But we all know that crack is predominantly in low black neighborhoods. Yeah. And so it's like, we really going to do this? Yeah. And so, like, super small laws like that, That's I good. think, needs to be. Uh, just change. Yeah, yeah. Like, for sure. Yeah. So if people do want to, um, Learn more about you, mm-hmm. follow in on your journey, whatever it may be, support you in any capacity. Where can they find you? What should they look for? Um, I think all of my social platforms are Do you trail. want to list them all? Okay. I mean, no, whatever. Just type it in. It's <laughs> trail, T-R-E-L-L, the trainer on all platforms. And you're just going to see a lot of... Uh, reform videos you're going to see some cleaning videos about how i learned how to be clean in prison yeah and i still use it today um grooming i learned how to floss at 19 years old in prison i didn't learn that from a male or a positive role model in society or a dentist exactly yeah. and so you're gonna see a lot of what about uh, your skincare routine same okay. uh, all things i took the time to learn and read about while I was away. And Amazing. Bring them out. So that's what you'll see. That's where you'll find me. And if you want to support, you got to pull up to a pop-up or food truck and get you a glizzy. <laughs> Best on the market. They are very good. Best on the market for plant-based for sure. Um, okay, well, amazing. I really appreciate you taking the time to share with me like more context on who you are and how you think and share with me kind of how you've gotten to this place in your in your life. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, give us a follow on Instagram, driven by underscore blank. Share it with your friends. Pass along the good word. And for the love of God, continue to acknowledge your passions. Let love be your guide and always walk in purpose. Until next time, I'm Karen, and this has been a conversation about the intersection between passion and purpose.